If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I guess the first thing we, we notice when this passage rolls around uh, is that we, in our day and time, did not invent church squabbles, right? Uh, some conflict within the church is a timeless tradition, as we can read in Corinthians, uh, that goes right back to the beginning. So I, I get a kick out of uh, sometimes a big uh, independent churches will declare that uh, they really don't trace their lineage from the traditional mainline uh, church of today. They claim to emulate the first century community of faith. And I want to just ask, have you read your Bible? I mean, <laughs> Chloe's people are reporting all kinds of quarrels. Whomever... Chloe's people happen to be, but uh, they're, they're reporting quarrels, they're kind of tattling uh, among the early church in Corinth that was so bad that Paul goes all sarcastic on them, right? Has Christ been divided? Has Paul been crucified for you? Of course, we are all aware of how tumultuous and conflicted things were in America in the 1960s. The country was reflected in the churches. Uh, all denominations in the country were being ripped apart in many ways during those years, divided by a host of hot-button issues, civil rights, civil disobedience, school desegre desegregation, the sexual revolution, urban unrest, the Vietnam War, of course, women's rights, later LGBTQ rights, you know, not to mention bell-bottoms and long hair that would follow. So into all of this, uh, I love the, you know, the, the, the variety of, of expression and theology we get from the various denominations. It's really fun to kind of settle in and get the feel for how different denominations respond and worship and reach out. And the, the Presbyterian Church responded in the 60s with a comprehensive faith statement. It was bold, and, uh, and uh, they, they put it out in public. It was called the, the Confession of 1967. And it's easy now, you know, 56 years later, to look back and forget how profoundly angry and divided so much of the country was, but also so many of the churches. It was into this cauldron of division that... Uh, the Confession of 1967 was, was offered. And the single overarching and brave theme of the document can be really summed up in one word, and that's a word we 
professed together in our confession already this morning. That word is reconciliation. Today, the confession of 1967, as I read through it this week, is hauntingly relevant to our time still. Reconciliation is, of course, a thoroughly biblical concept right from the start. In the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the, uh, there are feuding brothers who are reconciled time and time again after doing really particularly awful things to one another. In the Gospel of Matthew, first book in our New Testament, the Gospel that we are focusing on throughout this year, uh, Jesus implores reconciliation. If you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, be reconciled. Come to terms quickly with your accuser, Jesus says. Reconciliation is the core theme, then, of the letters Paul writes to the little church in Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. There is jealousy and quarreling among you, Paul writes. For one says, I belong to Paul and Another, I belong to Apollos. Paul's referring to groups that have formed within the little congregation. They were locked in some bitter, unidentified, now long forgotten fight. So the moral weight of uh, both of the letters to the church in Corinth is one long passionate appeal for reconciliation. Paul's appeal yields one of the most powerful Reconciliation statements in the scriptures in the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, so powerful and profound that we've woven it into some of our liturgies for funerals and baptisms. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. These are the words that formed the biblical foundation for the confession of the 1967 in the Presbyterian Church. And I think most would agree who read it, such a confession, uh, as I said, remains relevant and is needed. To be reconciled is to respect the other, even though you see things differently. Um, Anything from politics to theology to how you spend the money to the color you're going to paint the church kitchen. All of it. You know, in fact, the deeper truth is that I actually need people that I don't agree with. I need people whose politics are not mine, whose theology is different from mine. I need Roman Catholics and Presbyterians and Methodists and Jews and Muslims and atheists whose theology is not mine. For some years at the church I served out east, I helped to lead a men's Saturday morning breakfast and Bible discussion group out there in Chester County. There were well-known differences in that group related to politics especially. Well-known differences. But also theology, taste in movies, I mean, almost everything. But that, that group had come to believe that what we have in common in Jesus Christ, in our friendship, in our community,
community of faith was more central to who we were than anything else. So the differences were not only tolerated, I will say they were in fact valued. It became a kind of, there was a good humor about it in those, those sometimes energetic discussions in that group. So on this day when we read in the scriptures of discord and division in the early church, I just wanted to share a few small portions of that confession of 1967 which our Presbyterian friends have given to the whole church during a time when communities of faith were being torn apart with so much uh, going on in the country. And the preamble states of the confession, the purpose of the confession of 1967 is to call the church to that unity of confession and mission which is required of disciples today. God's reconciling work in Jesus Christ and the ministry and the mission of reconciliation to which God has called the church are the heart of the gospel in any age. I really love the language choice in this next sentence. Our generation stands in peculiar need of reconciliation in Christ. Accordingly, this confession of 1967 is built upon that theme. Our generation stands in peculiar need of all the words. I can just see them in that room grinding through, should we say, particular, unique. They said peculiar, like, uh, like there's, we have almost a weird need for such a confession, peculiar need of reconciliation in Christ. My guess is that many would say the same today. To be reconciled to God, it goes on, is to be sent into the world as God's reconciling community. This community, the church universal, is entrusted with God's message of reconciliation and shares God's labor of healing the enmities which separate people from God and from each other. Christ has called the church to this mission and given up the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's reconciling community. I love that language also. What an image, a way to think of the church. God's reconciling community. The 67 Confession calls the church the reconciling community, envisions the work of reconciliation to be central to the mission and ministry of the church itself in the world. The members of the church are emissaries of peace and seek the good of all in cooperation with powers and authorities and politics, culture, and economics. But they have to fight against pretensions and injustices with these same powers that endanger human welfare. Their strength is in their confidence that God's purpose rather than human schemes will finally prevail. The members of the church are emissaries of peace. What a great image this is of our community of faith as we are sent each week to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. We go as emissaries of peace. To seek the good of all in cooperation with powers and authorities and politics, culture and economics. I love the fact that the statement does not call for the church to pull back, to stay in our religious lane. 
but to engage with every level of society that affects the well-being of others. They wrote an, a liturgical version of the statement to be used in churches as liturgy and part of the worship of the church. And this portion comes from that liturgical version. We believe that the new life takes shape in a community in which we know that God loves and accepts us in spite of what we are. We therefore accept others and love others, knowing that no one has any ground on which to stand except God's grace. And it sounds like our Presbyterian brothers and sisters may have leaned into their Lutheran siblings in that particular paragraph. We know that no one has any ground on which to stand except God's grace. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are the reconciling community. We are emissaries of peace. Amen. We've been reminded that God uh, in Christ has reconciled us, uh, and so we are a reconciling community and sent out to do that work. And I love the various expressions of all the different faith traditions and the different denominations. I think of uh, when I was living in Alaska between uh, after I graduated from college, before I started in seminary, I lived for much of the time in this little shack out in the wilderness, and the closest church was a little Methodist church, and I'd drive over there on occasion. They were such welcoming folks, and I loved going into the, the little kind of house on the prairie church and worshiping with them, and I always felt like when I was in there, I could be a Methodist, you know? And this morning we got uh, blessed by our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, but, you know, in God's wisdom, I... I came into this world as a Lutheran, and our, our foundation, the note that we sound, of course, is that we stand, all of us, uh, on, on the grace of God. We are uh, forgiven, uh, loved, claimed by the grace of God. So do we go in peace to share that message. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.